It's February 2024, and welcome to Muse News, the BCMA's monthly museum sector news podcast. Each month, we recap some of the latest breaking news, happenings, and announcements from museums, galleries, and heritage organizations across BC and beyond. I'm Ryan Hunt, joined by my co-host, Leah Patterson. Join us as we explore the latest... Muse News! Thanks, Ryan. New Indigenous Heist movie focuses on repatriation of belongings. The Great Salish Heist delivers action, comedy, and a deeper message about items stolen by colonizers. A new kind of heist movie is hitting the big screen this month, starring notable names like Graham Greene, Trisha Helfer, and Ashley Collingbull. It's not cash or jewels that the crew is after, but instead sacred artifacts belonging to the fictional Moquat Nation that a museum plans to ship overseas. Filmed in Duncan, BC, on the traditional territory of the Cowichan tribes, The Great Salish Heist, which has a strong Indigenous cast, is based on archaeological work producer Harold Joe has been involved with for the Cowichan and neighboring nations, helping repatriate items stolen from First Nations. He, along with writer Sophie Underwood, came up with the story, while writer, director, and star Daryl Dennis gave it that heist movie feel, producer Leslie Bland said. People who like Ocean's Eleven, they'll really enjoy this film. It's fun, it's suspenseful, and it's got action in it, Bland added. While action is to the fore of the film, Bland says, it also tackles the issue of returning items to First Nations that were stolen and put in museums and other colonial collections. Using a comedy action format that helps broaden the audience for important stories, viewers are entertained but also left with something deeper. For many years, Indigenous people have thought to have items and ancestral remains returned to their communities after they were taken by settlers. Article 31 of the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, UNDRIP, enshrines the rights of Indigenous people to control their cultural heritage. The Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, a U.S. law passed in 1990, requires institutions that receive federal funding to return Indigenous items and human remains to their communities. In 2001, the BC Museums Association called on the Canadian institutions to do the same. Since then, Executive Director Ryan Hunt says there's been more high-profile repatriations, including a Nishka pole that was returned from Scotland last fall. Hunt says, It's really reassuring that each time we talk broadly with our members about the need to repatriate Indigenous cultural heritage, we have to do less explaining about why it's important. He said members are continuing to work on repatriation projects, but funding often holds the process up. The Great Salish Heist centers on character of Steve Joe, played by Dennis, an archaeologist who is haunted by the death of a loved one. The only way lost loved ones can be at rest, according to many First Nations and the Moquat Nation in the film, is to have ancestral items returned to their communities. So Joe begins a journey to bring home sacred items kept at the Royal Western Canadian Museum. He assembles a team of burglars, the muscle, the disguise expert, the techie, and the inside woman, to get inside the museum and replace the artifacts with fakes. Bland says, What's great about this film is you're seeing Indigenous people having agency. There's no white savior in this movie. They take charge of their own issue, their own challenge, and they take action to solve it. Producer Harold Joe said that there are also hidden messages in the film, intended for both an Indigenous and non-Indigenous audience. He says, Just watch for it look for it, and listen for it. A screening of the movie during the Victoria Film Festival earlier this month was sold out, but it is showing at other theaters on Vancouver Island in the coming weeks, including a showing as part of the Indigenous Film Festival in Chemainus in March. 
Over to you, Ryan. Executive Director for the Revelstoke Railway Museum to retire. Revelstoke Railway Museum Executive Director Jim Cullen will retire from his role at the end of April. Quote, I appreciate the trust and support our board of trustees, members, volunteers, and our many community partners and donors have given during the past four years, said Cullen in a press release. The search for Cullen's replacement for the executive director role is already underway, as the board of trustees for the Heritage Railway Society have until April 30th, which is when Cullen will retire. In a press release, Cullen and members of the society reflected on his impact over the past four years. Quote, we are sorry to see Jim retire as executive director, said society president George Hopkins in the release. Hopkins added that Cullen has led the society through a tumultuous time during the pandemic and has overseen several grants and capital projects. The Revelstoke Heritage Railway Society was incorporated in 1988 with a goal of reaffirming Revelstoke's railway history. The society's biggest undertaking was the construction of the museum in 1993. It was a grassroots project that made use of local workers, supplies, and businesses. Cullen moved to Revelstoke from Calgary for his role during the pandemic. Having amassed experience as a volunteer train historian for many years, Cullen transitioned from his work in the oil field to a railway foundation in California in the late 1990s. He stayed in the realm of nonprofits and museums until the position in Revelstoke came up. He expressed his appreciation for being able to lead the museum's team for the past four years. Quote, I have often said that museums are in the forever business, because society expects museums to be around forever. Executive directors are relay runners in this forever relay race, getting to do a few laps before passing the baton on to the next director, he said. I am very proud of what the museum team has accomplished in the past four years, and our new director will be inheriting a great team. Last year, the museum celebrated its 30th anniversary and racked up an impressive half million visitors since opening in 1993. On behalf of the BCMA, congratulations, Jim! No return date set for Vancouver Public Library's Inspiration Pass. The future of the Vancouver Public Library's Inspiration Pass remains unknown as of January, after the popular program was suspended in 2020 due to COVID-19. The Inspiration Pass program was introduced in 2012 and allowed Vancouverites with a VPL card to borrow a pass for free access to various attractions and recreation offerings around town. Each pass allowed admission for a family of two adults and up to four children, or up to six teens between the ages of 14 and 18. Attractions included the Vancouver Aquarium, Science World, the Vancouver Art Gallery, the H.R. Macmillan Space Center, the ABC Museum of Anthropology, the Rody House Museum, the Vancouver Police Museum, as well as the Park Board's Fitness Centers, Swimming Pools, Skating Rinks, Pitch and Putts, Botanical Gardens. Partner facilities didn't receive funding or compensation from the city for the admissions. The program was an immediate hit, and despite having 120 passes available throughout the city, the number of holds for passes quickly grew, with some waiting years before being notified that a pass was available. Quote, the Vancouver Inspiration Pass program is not being issued at this time. No decision has been made as to whether or not it will be restarted in the future, read a statement from BPL spokesperson on Monday in response to a post-media news query. It remains unknown whether there are active discussions about the possibility of the program's return at this time, though any updates will be posted to VPL's website, said the spokesperson. 
Exploration Place announces retirement of CEO Tracy Caligaros. The Exploration Place is bidding farewell to its long-serving CEO Tracy Caligaros, who is retiring after her 30-year tenure at the museum, 20 of those at the helm. Caligaros came into the Exploration Place in 1994 with a fine arts background. Her initial role as the Fraser Fort George Museum's marketing and graphics coordinator marked the start of a remarkable career that has seen the institution undergo many changes. She then guided the museum to significant expansion alongside groundbreaking and meaningful work with indigenous communities. Caligaros emphasized the importance of the museum's contributions to reconciliation, a principle that has been integral to the museum's operations long before it became part of the national conversation. Quote, the Fraser Fort George Museum was in a very different place in 1994 than it is today, she said. Even then, the museum had a seat for the Clately Tenay on its board, and that was a visionary approach for reconciliation, before anyone had heard the word that has shaped this award-winning, community-centered approach to museum work. She has served on many boards and dedicated her time to countless organizations, including the BC Museums Association, the Canadian Museum Association, where she sits as a fellow and currently sits as president. She has also served as the president of the Canadian Association of Science Centers, and has been a strong champion for science literacy. Quote, No kid wakes up at 18 and decides they want to be an engineer or epidemiologist unless they have grown up excited about scientific endeavors, she said. Reflecting on her retirement, Caligaros expressed profound gratitude for the collaborative efforts that have propelled the museum's success. Quote, This organization and the community has given me opportunities I never would have dreamt of in 1994 when I first interviewed for an unemployment insurance position program. Flash forward 30 years, and I am humbled to have played a part in this museum's development. On behalf of the BCMA, congratulations, Tracy! Quilt made by 300 Canadian African grandmas coming to Nelson. Nelson Grands to Grands celebrates the Stephen Lewis Foundation's 20th anniversary by showcasing the Solidarity Quilt that more than 300 grandmothers from Canada and Africa crafted, contributing pieces and stitched together. This represents the remarkable journey grandmothers in Africa have made in the face of adversity. The finished quilt features a tree-like figure of a grandmother with outstretched arms that form canopy leaves. Tiny saplings are nurtured under the branches, like a grandmother caring for children, while roots embedded in the soil represent the growth of a community. The quilt is displayed at the Nelson Museum Archives and Gallery for one week only, when it leaves for Penticton in its national tour. In total, the Solidarity Quilt will visit at least 35 cities and towns across Canada. Unbelievably, since 2006, Nelson Grands for Grands has reached a long-term goal by raising over $350,000 thanks to the generous support of the community of Nelson and the surrounding areas. All of its aid to grandmothers in sub-Saharan Africa who are caring for children orphaned by AIDS and HIV pandemics. Thank you to the Stephen Lewis Foundation Grandmothers Campaign. This quilt is a celebration of amazing solidarity of grandmothers. The grand opening is in Nelson on Sunday, February 25th from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Nelson Museum Archives and Gallery. 
featuring the quilt, Bill Dickerson on guitar, a market table with grand-made handcrafts, and of course, refreshments baked with love. Following that, it will be open to the public at the museum until March 2nd. This quilt cannot be missed. Sydney Museum puts on block party with Lego exhibit. Over 3,000 visitors have seen the 2024 Lego exhibit. The Sydney Museum's Lego brick exhibit is proving to be incredibly popular. The exhibit opened on January 2nd, and the museum has had more than 3,000 visitors since. That number is quite colossal for a museum of this size, said Museum Executive Director Michael Goodchild. The outpouring of support has just been continuous and really appreciative. The main goal is to bring people in who wouldn't normally come to see these types of museums. This is the LEGO exhibit's 18th year, and it runs until April 1st. One of the biggest cha changes we've made this year is that we decided to make the museum more of an open concept, Goodchild said. It was a single route through the museum in previous years. Visitors can check out a new Lord of the Rings Rivendell set made of 6,167 pieces and extensive Star Wars and Harry Potter displays. The museum has over 900 LEGO sets that we keep in storage all year, Goodchild said. The exhibit also has many construction models, cars, and architectural marvels, such as the retired Taj Mahal set from 2008, which is made of 5,922 pieces. This is an exhibit that goes beyond what you would expect to see at a small community museum, Goodchild said. Interpretation signage around the museum shows the history of LEGO and fun facts about many of the sets. Visitors can also take part in activities such as guessing the number of bricks, finding the hidden minifigure, or scavenger hunts. Entrances by donation, the City Museum is at 2423 Beacon Avenue and is open seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Back to you, Ryan. Thanks, Leah. This has been Muse News for February 2024. If you have any news that you'd like to share on this program, please email the BCMA at bcma at museum.bc.ca. Join us in March for another episode of Muse News, where we explore the latest news announcements and happenings from museums across BC and beyond. I'm Ryan Hunt. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Muse News.